hell's wrong with you? I miss my wrestling. Here's your wrestling. Yes. I I need my wrestling. All right, man. Calm down. It's all good. You know why? Because you were listening to your professional wrestling fix. Follow us on Facebook at 10 Wrestling Pro Wrestling Discussions. On Twitter at the Enzigiri. And catch your new episodes of the 2300 Wrestling Podcast and the Basement Dropkick on Anchor FM, Spotify, and other leading platforms. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys. This is Dennis Reaper, independent professional wrestler on the East Coast. Tune in to 2300 Wrestling Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 2300 Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, D.B. Richards, alongside my sweet tea referee, Dave Keener. And we have a special guest today. We do? Yeah, a special he's guest. He's on the line right now. Oh, he's on the line. Can we hear yep. him? Can you hear us? Here. Dennis, can you hear me? I can hear you guys. Oh, oh Dennis, hello. I can hear you guys. <laughs> How you doing, Dennis? I am doing good. Just very tired, actually. Yeah, so we we were up in like Long Beach Island last night for um, Titan Championship. Titan Championship Wrestling. Good nice, stuff. nice. Yeah, I was at a, a dungeon last night because uh, we had some boys from Maryland come up to do a filming. Nice. How's Mark? Their show. So we were there. So, he's good. He's good. Yeah. Um, just taking day by day. You know, right. Yeah, Mark. Keeping the school open and running. I've known Mark since I was about ten, and like an <laughs> uncle when I when I heard everything about his mom, I'm like, oh. So yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, Mark, Mark. I was uh, I was home when I got that text message. Yeah, uh, when so everything was, was starting to go down, down. So I was at home and Mark texted me saying, uh, "Hey man, mom's not gonna make it." I literally I had plans. I had a date. I was literally getting ready for a date, and I left. I te- I texted Dave going, "I have to cancel." Sorry, didn't give her an answer. Just left my house and went to Mark's Right. If you guys don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Mean Mark Mesh, who really isn't that mean. Um, he's one of the best independent trainers that I know of. Him and his brother Troy have the dungeon up in North PA, like Reading area. It's yeah, really, it's, right, really cool. it's right outside of Reading. Right. It's a really cool gym to go work out to. It's about an hour and a half from here, but it's still, they're good guys. That'll be kind of cool kind of trip to go up. Yeah, I can text Mark if you want to go up on Saturday yeah, or something we'll, like that. We'll see how that is. It'll be a fun little trip. We're there every Wednesday and Friday. Um, usually, sometimes we're there around three or four, depending on who's all coming up and what we need to do, um, yeah. because we've been doing some TV tapings there, so Wednesday They've been going up early and getting the voiceovers done and commentating done. Um, and then we're also going to be opening. We're, we're there Saturday, but it depends on how many people are going to come if we're going to open the school or not. Yeah. I mean, but I can tell you Mark and say, hey. Yeah. Okay, let's start this interview. Right. If you don't know who we are, right. I am DB Richards, and you all know Sweet Tea referee Dave Keener. Like his nickname? I gave it to him. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> Tea! Uh, and we are our producer, Quinn. That is sense. I've given up. Yeah, Quinn Santa. Santa, that's it. Yeah. That's correct. Nice to meet you. And then we got George over here. He's not going to say anything. Because quiet on the set. He's quiet. He's not allowed to talk. He's he's grounded for what he did last <laughs> night. He made a mess in my back seat. Well, that anyway. would explain the beard. Yes. Yes, big time. So, um... Let's let's get started. Let's um talk about um who trained you and how long were you in the business for? Um, I was trained by the Mass Brothers, uh, Mark and Troy Mass, um, as well as Captain Rick Adams, Eddie Valentine. Um, Ed House has a lot of input on me. So the trainers is not just one trainer; it's a whole group of a family of guys that there helped train me. Uh, been doing it for twelve years. Uh, I want to say I started back in I think it was like two thousand eight. I just moved back up to Pennsylvania from Florida and uh, was living in Birdsburg. And he's like, you know, there's a wrestling show. I'm like, wow, these names sound familiar. So I decided. 
recall the numbers. When I lived in Orlando, I was part of the Teenage Street Team. Um, technically, that was when I first started training, uh, was by a gentleman named Rock and Roll Rouge that was a part of the TNA team for security. Uh, but that school closed, so I got to move back up here. And I was always told, if you ever go to a show, always have to help set up. It doesn't matter what it is. They'll take care of you. So I asked the house set up, welcome me with open arms. And then I realized that I met these gentlemen in 2001 at a Reading Philly game, talking about me going to wrestle with them when they were in the landing. Uh, but then I moved to Florida for high school. 2008, that was the kickstart. And then six months later, I was managing Bill Bain at ACW out in the Denver PA for Twisted Tate. And then like three months later after that, I was already wrestling. Wow, that's crazy. So I, I heard him mention Ed House. You guys don't know who Ed House is. Oh. What do you say? Okay, okay. So, no, no. Let me tell you a story. So, Chio is a good friend of ours as well. Chio is cool. Um, Chio had a company called Pagoda Pro. And we did a couple of the shows up in Reading. And it was at this little VFW hall where you had to take the ring up these metal back steps. And, uh, uh, uh. Um, but Mark <laughs> Master has one of the best rings I've ever been in. And Ed House did a match with a guy named Ox Hog. It was Ox Hog. Yeah. Ox I, was, Hog. I think I was at that show. Yeah. Because um, I was repping that one. I think it was my very first match back from the tier yeah, I think you were. And Ed House did this like pie bit, and the pie went down his pants, and he ran around and got his ass out and everything else. But Dennis knows that's Ed House. Oh, that, I, remember, I definitely remember that night. And I remember your brother's reaction was priceless. Michael's Mike's reaction was like pure gold. It was pure gold because he had no clue about that. That was oh. like, we all know some things that we know, like fans know it's going to happen. Right. Mike had no clue that that was like, who in the right mind would think, hey, I'm going to take this pie and let's shove it down your pants. Oh, and yeah, around, but, oh, with your ass hanging out. And it's like, anything, that's what Ed does, that stuff is just pure magic because it's like, it's funny and it's entertaining. Yes, it's, you know, it wasn't a PG show, but it was like, when he did it, like the entire lesson, like I literally poked my head out going, what is going on? Why are they dying? And I'm like, oh, Ed's ass is out again. All right. And I went back to my normal, you know, getting my bag back packed up and ready to roll. And oh, that was, that was a fun night. Like I was, I was beat the hell up because I got to welcome back shots from hell for about 20 people in that battle royal. But, oh, yeah. I remember that battle royal. I don't think I've ever had my chest. I don't think I've ever been chopped so many times in my 12-year career that I did in that night. Oh, Y'all want to hear a chop story real quick? A chop story? DB was there. So my son turned 15 oh. um, back in February. And we did a show down in Maryland, D.C. to all Maryland border. And I don't, I, you met Chuck Payne. My son decides to have a chopping contest with Chuck Payne in the locker room. <laughs> Now, mind you, they both went back and forth for a while. Locker room stopped when they heard my son chop Chuck. Now, Quinn, Chuck Payne is six foot seven, three twenty, thirty. He's a big guy. Anthony, my son, who is one hundred eighty-five pounds, six and six. Go back and forth with that. Okay. Now, mind you, Chuck's like a freaking teddy bear, but that's always fun. It, between that one and the other funny gross-out story was we did a show at Westchester Henderson, and Steve Carino, who now works for WWE, came out in a Westchester East shirt. Jersey, your, your look says it all. Um, called everything else, and my brother's doing the pat down with him and everything. Finds a banana in his, in his tights and funny stuff like that. Just my brother. God love him, but he's great. Anyway, on the dentist. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, I love, I love chapters. There's so many chop stories. Like, um, I want to say my favorite one is I went, I, w I was in North Carolina, I wrestled for um, AIWF, Mid-Atlantic, uh, Mid and I used to, 
I, I was down there for maybe like two or three different gigs. And this one dude hit me up on Facebook like, hey, I'm starting my own promotion. I'm a huge fan of the dark dentistry because I used to have face paint, the drool in the blood, the upside down thick deck, yeah. the whole nine yards. I went full board. And this I think I've like, seen you before. What do I got to yeah. do to get off? I've seen you before back in the day. Um, the guy's like, what do I got to do to get you down like, here's my fee. I can come down. I'll be down in the night for He's like, oh, I get there. This dude, literally, I walk in the door, treats me like I'm, like, the biggest superstar in the world. Um, And then I do the show. After the show, he's like, hey, I want you to chop me. I'm like, no. Did you not hear the gentleman that I chopped this main event? He goes, I don't care. I want you to chop. Now, the gentleman's name was Big John. Um, And then he, he passed away. Not that big John. Um, yeah, Big John, the tattoo guy from North Carolina. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, but he was thinking Big John instead. No. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's a totally <laughs> different job. Big John. I wasn't thinking um, just... I'm messing. <laughs> but uh, this ch- this gentleman's like, I want you to chop. All right. I-, I was like, you understand that I was trained by people that live on a farm and taught me how to chop by chopping concrete bricks and floors. Like, I don't, I-, I swing for the fence. There's no, there's nothing that I can do. It's going to hurt. He's like, all right. I chop him. Takes like a champ. But thank you very much. I get home. He sends me a picture of my handprint that's welted on his chop. <laughs> Posts it all over the internet. And then his family comments and goes, why would you let someone do that to you? And then I chimed in going, I warned him that I didn't want to do it. His wife, our wife or girlfriend at the time is like, he did warn him, but he also gave Dennis Reaper more money to chop it. I'm like, yo, don't tell people to eat it. Like, Ooh, that's a flat out, gave me extra money to chop it. When I when I had told but, when I told my fifteen year old son's mom that Chuck had chopped him, he goes she goes, Well, how was the other guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Really your, your ex wife said <laughs> right. that Oh gosh, that's so great. Hey, my son doesn't look fifteen, he looks about twenty two. So twenty two going on twenty five. He's a big kid. Like, there's a lot of kids that are, that look like they're 21, 22, and then you just find out why they're in training. You're like, this kid's really good. How old are you, man? Oh, 17. Damn, right. I can't use you for another year. Yeah. No. Zach yeah. Connor walked up to my son one DC- at one of the DCW shows. When are you starting? I said, Zach, you can't. He's only 14. He goes, oh. I'm like, yeah. Gotta wait three years. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves <laughs> is when I find out when they're not 18 and they're so good. It's like, I gotta wait until you're 18 to even put you on a show on Pennsylvania. Right. And if you look at these kids that are at H2O, oh my um, gosh. who's the one? Yep. Marcus Mathers. Marcus Mathers is only yep. 18. It's crazy. Kids good. Right. But the kid, those kids that Matt has known, are really good. I've known Marcus. Yeah. I've known Marcus since he's been a little kid because I've known his dad since I started. Right. So, and I was like, I won't lie. When I came out the H2O and you guys, you know, you guys walking me with open arms, I was pleasant just working boom. Because I already knew that the kid, the kid was good um, from Marcus himself. Yeah, but even boom is good too. If I ever come back, if I do, um, I, I think that was probably one of my favorite matches in, in, 2019, in 2019 with yeah. me versus him. Yeah, and I had a couple matches, it. but that was literally the most fun match I've had. Um, and he listened. Like, every, the, the kids that, you're, that you guys are training there at, at H2O are so well-respected. Like, you you know, you, you looked at me and said, hey, can you work your, you know, your kid? I was like, absolutely. You asked me to do what I needed to do. And then, boom, was more of the, whatever you want to do, we'll do. I'm like, no, you let me, you you, you call the match. Like, the kid is so nice. Like, everybody at H2O is nice. Like, I, I, I can't wait to get back out there. Yeah, but right. you giving me boom was like, I already expected, you know, this kid to lay it into me. But then again, when you get in the ring with someone that's been in 12 years, the kid, usually some of the kids are like, oh, I can't hit him because he's a fat. He's going to hit me hard. Now, boom did not... Boom, lead them in. Um, but no, I think everybody out of your area is probably they're going places, in my opinion. Uh, Mark agrees. Well, I agree. And that you know, um, but so, Mar- I can't wait to see Marcus 
get over PA now. That leads to my next question. Um, what do you think of Matt Tremont retiring? What was that? What do you think of what's going on with Matt, with him retiring and everything? I don't really know, dude. It's one of those, it's up to, you know. It's it's your body. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If it's time, it's time. But he I wants mean, to, Matt's a legend and all that, too, so. Plus, he wants like, to do I more. love Matt. Yeah, oh, yeah. He wants to do more of um, the whole being behind the scenes stuff, looks like. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's good at it. Like oh, Matt, he's great at it. Yeah, Matt, Matt's the one that asked me when I saw him at, I saw him at, how, uh, the Icon show or the, the autograph convention they do at the 2300 building. The icons, that's where we were, we and, were talking. Yep, and O-Dog pitched me over to Matt, and Matt was like, yeah, anytime you want to come, just come out, let me know. Okay. Like, I've never met Preacher before in my 12 years. That was the first time meeting Preacher when I showed up there, yeah. and Preacher welcomed me with open arms because Matt, you know, if Matt's recommending me, Preacher understands that, you know, I'm not coming in there. Right. I have an alcohol, so it's making me have the burps, but Preacher, you know, he understood that I'm not coming in there do anything that they don't want me to do. I, I helped them fix the ring, you know, the rope is broken, but I have all the respect in the world for Matt. So oh. seeing him retire, like, I'm going to make sure, in my opinion, no matter what, I'm at that show, uh, whether I have a show or not, I will be, I will figure out a way to get it, um, just to show my respect in that. Uh, but him retiring, it's that body thing. It's like, I'm 12 years in, my body's sore, my body's beat. I wrestled yesterday, pool, and I'm still trying to recruit from yesterday. Right. So, like, I, if, if he decides to get back in the ring after, he retires because we all know that it's just there. Um, it's never going to go away. Uh, I think everybody, every one of us in, the, in that locker room or any locker room, we're going to welcome with open arms. Oh, you know, no matter what the capacity is. So, you know, I run my own promotion now. So I understand where Matt is. Like, I want to wrestle, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm loving doing the behind the scenes stuff right now. Like, yeah. I'm enjoying it 100%. It's so much, it's different. It's challenging. Like, wrestling and that's just challenging, but putting on a show is hard and, you know, making sure everything makes sense old school style and, you know, with the new school. It's, it's so challenging. Oh, yeah. So, um, I want to go back a little bit. Um, you know how family members, when you wanted to get into the business, how did your family re- react to you or your friends react and saying, you're going to be a wrestler? Or how did that go out? My dad was 100% on board with it um, because I did not wrestle and all since I was five years old. So I was in high school and I'm, you know, when I was in, when I lived up in PA, my cousins were watching it all the time and beating the living hell out of me. And they're <laughs> like, you're going to be a wrestler one day. And I'm like, ah, no, it's cool on TV. I can't ever do that. And then I moved to Florida and that's when I worked at Universal Studios and TNA showed up in the, in, the, in the studios. And it was at that moment when I fell in love. Like I fell in love with it at WrestleMania 18 um, when I was in Toronto for the, the Rock Hogan like that was I want to say the biggest part of it to get me into the wrestling ring was seeing that in person um, but being in, in Orlando for it and literally being at ringside almost every show and watching these guys go do what they did it was like okay I went home and said dad I'm going to be a professional wrestler he's like about the end of time you made that decision no, <laughs> boy, no joke like literally looking me in my face it's about fucking you know, it's about fine um, huh? called my mom told her um, friends on the other hand they thought I was joking some of my friends still think it's a joke co-workers always think it's a joke um, yeah. until they see me wrestle and then they go holy shit it really yeah. is you're really beat up like yeah like when I tell people that we really hit each other I'm really hitting you you know yeah. the chairs are real the tables are real I was like yeah everybody knows how wrestling is done now you know the people have there's people that have exposed there's no going back from that you yeah. know but I've explained to people I go we are all trained athletes. we are all trained just like a football player a baseball player we are all trained to be able to be I go and it's downtime someone gets hurt um, one of the guys from our school at my very first company taping that we did about a month and a half ago did a moonsault and landed on his 
guest broke again. Oh. And it's a move he's done. He does every week at school. So every Wednesday or Friday, gets to the school, stretches out, moonsault. Before training's done, stretches out again, moonsault. That was an freak accident. Never was never in a million years where you think he was going to break his neck. And on my first safety too. So it was very, it was a lot on my shoulders because I was like, holy shit, you know. And I had to be the promoter, like my company. I had to be, hey, you got to go to the hospital and have that. But when I tell family, like my dad worked it one percent. My my family all now working it because I had to give it up on it. But I have friends that are still on it. That's stupid. It's, um, like, that's great. Like that's your opinion. But wrestling's just like you going on a movie. You're paying, you know, yeah. fifteen dollars for a seat and then another eight dollars popcorn. <laughs> right. But you'll go and pay to see the WWE because you think we're we're doing something different. They are. But we're doing the same thing. Just a bigger company, a, a larger brand, and more expensive food. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. One hundred percent more expensive too. That's why I agree. That's why I eat in the parking lot before going into the Wells Fargo Center. Well, that, that's one of the best things I want to know. Yeah. You said you worked for Universal. How was it working for that yep. company? I love working at Universal. Like I got hired to work at a water ride. Okay. And now I'm sixteen, working on Popeye Boludo's Village Bar. <laughs> Village Bar Drive. I can't even pronounce fucking names. Say that ten times. Biggest thing in the world, but Popeye's Village Bar. It's like a lot from it. Big circle tube, and you literally go through and you see a bunch of Popeye shit. It's a wild ride drive. Yeah, I'm sixteen. What sixteen-year-old man does not like working on a water? Rugs and there's beautiful women all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's, you know, that's where my mindset was like, hell yeah. I, I, I'll wear the dorkiest, dumbest outfit I gotta wear right now. Okay. And then it got boring. Um, And then they asked me to, and then, so at Universal, like, it's just like any job, like, hey, can you come cover my ship? There, they'll take people from different park parks to cover other park parks. So I gotta have to go work and cover for Beetlejuice at Universal. So I went from Islands of Adventure over to Universal for a week, fell in love working at Beetlejuice show. Um, I was already a Beetlejuice fan, but I was kind of like, hell yeah and that's when I really started getting into the entertainment stuff like I was in entertainment all my life my dad owned the DJ company and cop character stuff so I already I could already go out and form in my, with my eyes right but working there was great I got to know about it. a lot of higher up there so TNA came to Orlando and I was like oh I can watch her up yeah. and then they were like hey we gotta get towards these people during the day before the parks are open just so you know you have to sign this closure and then, oh, I didn't know what the closure well I didn't even read the closure first off I should have but I, I didn't care um and i'm at i'm at the beetlejuice show because i've officially transferred the park um from rides and shows officially so i wasn't doing them a ride and next thing i know is walking to the beetlejuice and jeff jarrett if you harder the whole nine yards and i'm like holy shit i know who all these people are <laughs> and they're looking at me like are you starstruck i go no but i know who you are but welcome to beetlejuice the show is starting over here in a little bit you got about 20 minutes to wait for you guys can go get drinks which we have in here for you as well I'm like okay cool and then show went on and they saw i was performing as a show attendant you know you're, you know they have the guy the of the people we worked with they sit around and kind of just bored but I'm the entertainer guy I like making make it kind of fun so I literally pump free show shit so like Rocky Horror was on um, We Will Rocky is on and I'm doing the air guitar I'm just having a blast um, and we always do a run through before the show start anyway and the former loved it because they were like you got you got into it before we can come on stage so that helps like absolutely everything helps you for you so I did that and then that's when they were talking about having a street team and they had people involved and I helped I jumped on board and helped those people um, and then you know I had a sign there was more to just sign because you got to see everything behind door people were a TV show. Uh, but working at Universal, I do a lot of things that I never never imagined uh, living down there. I worked at Wet Wild, I worked, worked in theme parks, and then working through, like, moving back up here with that, you know. Now I have my little girl, but I have wrestling. Wrestling's my, it's my life. So how did I probably get? Yeah, my gosh. Like, the um, I have a Jeff Jarrett story. Um, He was at Icons in um, Philadelphia, and the only thing I asked him was, 
How was it working with Michael J. Fox? And he told me he was great. <laughs> Life with Mikey. Yes. Life yeah. with Mikey, yes. Him and Jerry Lawler. Yeah, it was a yeah. birthday party scene. Yep. Like, one of my only reason, the only thing I asked was Michael J. Fox. Yeah. And it wasn't a wrestling question. I didn't ask about Owen Hart. I didn't ask about anything else. I went, how was working with yeah. Michael J. Fox? Because that dude, my whole life. Back to the future. Yeah. Growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Family ties, growing pains, teen wall. He wasn't growing pains. Not growing pains. Family ties. Family ties. There you go. <laughs> 80s comedy came on right after whatever so um Quinn's like huh <laughs> what, what, what air is this again you old people oh. hey yo <laughs> oh my lord what are you doing over there what are you who are you um okay bring me my bring me my pudding <laughs> so what mega tour mega team mega... the hardest the hardest bump or move you ever taken hmm, I've taken some nasty numbers for god knows for unknown reasons I want to say the superplex off the top rope was pretty bad. Okay. Because the ring was in hell. Very good. Like old school, like WWE style stuff where you have cables and they don't mm-hmm. they don't have them tightened properly. It's going to be the worst bump you'll take. Mm. Now, do you but remember whose ring? Metal, um, the ring wasn't as bad. It was just, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready to take the bump. Right. Mm. I'm not a fan of, I'm not a big fan of it. So the guy like that, I was supposed to do something on top rope and he decided to change it up on me. And I'm all for automobiles. If the crowd's dead and we need something to get the crowd to go for it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop you. But like, too dangerous, but I know how to do that move. But so I was like, all right, he was hesitant on the on the on the go. Is there a move that you won't take? Um, if anything worse, bump was probably um the last ride I took from a gentleman named Mister Saturday Night off the top rope to a table. Oh, yeah, he didn't know I knew how. To, he didn't know he didn't know I could jump, so I jumped high enough out of his hands, and he called me at the last second. Um, all I remember is hitting the hitting the table, and that was it. And then coming to as the one as the three bell hit. That would be the top one. The second one would be the chair shot heard around Scranton but from Jason Havoc um, where the chair chair wrapped around my head and I don't remember anything besides the ref kept checking on me after the bell rang so those are the two, I would say the, the table the table spot was the worst um, and then the chair shot would be second yeah yeah. pet peeves I'll take them again I just won't you know get killed again yeah. do you have any pet peeves in wrestling I know a lot of people that we talked uh, to said the referee the referee like has to wear the black shoes and the shirt has to be tucked in and stuff like that that's the number one yeah, that's, that's just professionalism right you know that that would be a, that would be one of my I would my biggest pet peeve is people not wiping their damn feet before they get in the ring uh, yeah that's on my list that is the first like, that is 100% the number one right. pet peeve in my book is it, like now if you're carpeting from the ground like the stage the floor and you have you just put your boots on you know they're clean and you slide it in the ring and that's your entrance okay I can't be mad but if you walk out there and you're an outside show or you're walking through like when Triple WA was at Zern. I use that place because that floor was disgusting. And mm-hmm. the men, gentlemen would just get in the ring and not wipe their feet. Like, what the fuck? Like, do you not, do you not get trained old school at all because you've been in this for 15 years and you didn't wipe your feet? It doesn't matter for me. You know? I can be on the show and I can be like three, four matches. Every single match I go in, I wipe my feet every single time yep. I get in that ring. Every time. I can be going oh, out for a promo I, and I wipe my feet. If you yep. didn't do that, Mike like, would rest- scream at you. Yeah, he would chop the shit out yeah, of you. I, I, <laughs> I wrestled yesterday, like I said, and I wiped my feet twice. Like, I got on the apron, I did my pose. As I got on the apron from the steps, I wiped my feet. Before I even put my feet through the rope, I wiped my feet. And that's just the, okay, I just want to make sure that I, I did it, and it's you even, know? It's even but funny. that's also because of who, who trained me. Right. It's even funny because I work at Citizens Bank Park and I work security on the field. 
So every single time before I hit the field, I still wipe my feet before I get on that grass because it's showing me, showing them respect before I go to where they did. Yep. Mr. Baseball, what was that? He couldn't get on the grass? Something like that. Was that the Tom Selleck movie? Yes. Yeah. Like I'm thinking like, and he went on to, no, it was, wasn't it walking with his shoes on? Yeah. And like, and he was walking into the um, shower and people got mad. Yeah. Mr. Baseball. I love that movie. I'm going to have to go watch that now. You remember <laughs> that movie? It is a good movie. It is a good movie. Um, so the other question we have is we do a thing here called Table of Five. You be the fifth person. If you want to go to a beer, okay. go dinner, hang out with five people. Well, he present, is the fifth person. You're the fifth person. Past, present, whoever. Like, we had Lance on Hawaii on the show, and he picked his family. Dad, his mom, everybody from his family were at the table. So if you could pick four other ones, you being the fifth person, who would they be? Um, I would Take the rock first off. Um, trying to think off the top of my head. I've never been asked that question before. And I've seen this stuff on the Facebook of taking like your Mount, your Russell Mount, you know, Mount Rushmore, Russell yeah, one and all that right, stuff. Yeah. But rock would be one. Rock would absolutely be one. Um, if he was still alive, Jesse Rose would be if number two. Um, Taker would be the third. Ah, man, the fourth one's going to be the hard one. But, you know, I'd have to go with Triple H on this one for the fourth one. Okay. Hey, DB. What? What would yours be? What would mine be? What would yours be? What would your table of five? Bret Hart, Owen Hart, David Boy Smith, and Brian Pillman. Okay. Just wondering. Oh, oh. Uh, or it could be all scenarios in there, too. Um, I love all scenarios. <laughs> Mine, honestly, I would have to say my brother and Greg Spitz would be in there. Uh, Mark Mest definitely be in there because I've eaten with him before. Yeah, I don't want to eat with you. Gosh, you know how. I know um, you're a mess. Well, Dusty, definitely Dusty, and probably Steve Carino. <laughs> That's my list. I got a Mark Mest story for you if you want that, Dennis. Oh, uh, dude, I, I love Mark <laughs> Mest stories. Let's be real. Like even at the school with the new kids, like there's all we always have. We're always talking stories, like literally before training and after training, and then it's like, all right, we'll train, and then afterwards, like Mark, be like I'll bring something up. Mark, be like, oh my. God, I remember that so and then he'll tell the guys to sit down and tell the story and then I'm like I'm in like heaven I'm like I was a part of this story so I don't know if you remember did these the shows at a place called Cades in Swarthmore PA um we used Mark's ring so it was always Mark and it was always Troy and Cremator and everybody came with and so we did a day show couple matches and then we all went to the old country buffet now mind you it was the whole entire crew Mark, Troy, Caretaker everybody okay so we're mm-hmm. all going having fun eating lunch stuff like that Mark comes back to the gym, all goes to, we could go back and do what we do. Mark falls asleep on the gym, like, um, stage. <laughs> like, okay, I gotta wake him back up around 2.30. I'm like, all right, we gotta do it again. Fuck. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. <laughs> so what was the best advice you ever been given that you can use in telling the kids today? Best advice would become it comes from Simon Dime because um, I did one of the gut checks when they were up when they did the Upper Derby show. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that for Liberty? Oh uh, no, it was at um whatever theaters in Upper Derby. Uh, um, Tower. Yep, Tower Theater. That's where they did their TNA thing and they did the gut check. Um, and me and Ed House, we drove up together. Rock and Rebel, we were there. Mm-hmm. And the way they did gut check was everybody lines up, one person, one person gets in the ring and introduce yourself as you. No gimmick yourself how long you do business and that's it get out right and then they go over some things and then they get how everybody go in the ring cut a promo 
and he gets to me, my turn. He goes, I want you to cut a minute and a half heel promo, okay? He goes, but I'm not going to stop you. If it's good, I'm going to let you keep going. I'm like, all right, cool. So I cut this promo, and I'm like, I'm hearing Impact, or at TNA at the time, because it wasn't Impact yet, you know, and everybody, keep, and, you know, I keep hearing all these big, everybody here wants to keep talking about title shop and title shop, title shop, but I want to earn mine. Yeah. I, and, I, and I start pointing out who's holding me back. Like, this was who's holding me back. I blame the fan, and I decided to throw the curveball, and I look over at Simon Diamond and go, and you're the biggest person that holds me back. And you have me in here cutting this promo thinking that I'm not good enough for a title shot. I go, maybe I should step in the ring with you and I'll have to show you why I've earned it. So I get done that. He cuts me right there. He goes, why did you bring me involved? I go, because you didn't give me a guideline. He goes, you told me to come out here, cut a minute and a half promo. And this is what I gave you. I go, why did I earn? Why did I get here? I earned my opportunity to be here. I go, but I have to earn it to you to get further. So you're holding me back from getting that. He looks at me and goes, the only advice I'm going to give you right now is you need to bring more energy than that guy. He goes, you were good. Your promo was good. He goes, well, you got to me and you kind of held back a little bit. If you're, he goes, if you're going to go for the punch, go for the knockout punch. Don't pull, don't hold it. Don't pull it. Full-fledged punch it. He goes, and that'll make it a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he's come, a, no he's come a long way since being a local talent around here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like, um, so, like, when we, we do promos weekly at our school, like, we have a private promo group on Facebook and Messenger, um, and we literally have our students and some outside students where uh, we give them assignments and they have five or six days to come up with a promo. Like, hey, it's like so two weeks ago they had, you have to cut a promo on your match against Ricky Reyes for the Outbreak Championship. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so I did it. And then the following Monday we said, and then we came up with, now you need to cut a promo on your loss to Ricky Reyes for the Outbreak Championship. Um, we've done ones where they have to pick a name out of a hat um, and whoever is in that, whatever name's in that hat, it's who they have to cut a promo on. Um, we, did a, we have a roller as well where we have, I have about 60 names in there. I have guys that are on NXT. I have Steve Korea in there because Mark and you guys all know Steve. So somehow, luckily, I always pick Steve Korea. <laughs> Doesn't cease to amaze me. I always pick Steve or Mark Matt. But you give me someone different. I, I don't want, like, I love Mark and I love Steve. But give me someone to where I don't know them. I have to go do my research. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it never happens. It never happens. I don't think it'll ever happen. Like, I always get them to, which is fine because Mark somehow always sends my promos to Steve and Steve always responds with, he's still missing something, but won't tell me what I'm missing. Right. So I have to go back and keep watching. What did I miss? And then I'd always figure it out. I'm like, damn, I did miss that. I could that was a key opportunity. Shit. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, doesn't matter how many years I'm in the business, I'm still gonna have things I don't make. I don't do. Um, yeah. But no, we do promos. We even do them at school. So like before we leave training, like eight o'clock, you know, we'll train. The guys will train from like five to eight, and then eight o'clock hits, and it's like, all right, get some water. Everybody pick a number between one and five. All right, Mark, write down five objects. Or we'll write down five names, and whoever was that, we'll write down who picked what number one through five and that's the order they're going and Mark literally will pick hey this is what they're getting and they won't know until we say five we'll go your promo's on this five four three two one film and they gotta think of it on the fly myself and Quinn our, our producer here are actors at the Bates Motel Haunted Hayride and we do similar stuff like you get to pick numbers and everything else and do this voice try this voice do this do that you're a bear try to be a bear and like walk like a tiger and like and it helps not only only to train better for what we do, but it also makes us more flexible in the voice. So technically at Bates Motel, we do have promo class. Be Dave yep. Keener. <laughs> I remember the one they made everybody sing. I had to they, record them sing. Made up what? Yeah, they had they did uh, some of the actors yeah. sang. I, I recorded all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to run around and be Harambe. Oh, I'll tell you a story. 
for them. Yeah. I would have been like, what? I got to do what? We had to be okay. like the gorilla or something like that. It was. It yeah, was... I would have I been like forward. I would have just been like, how long do I have to get ready for this? Because that's a big effing rule, okay? Right. So on to the next question. You ever have a geek out moment? A what? Geek out moment. Explain. Like, like mine was meeting oh Dusty Rhodes at the ECW Arena. Kind of geeked out for that. It, it was a night where Steve Carino and Dusty were doing one of the bull rope matches. I'm sitting there talking to Steve and Dusty comes over and I'm like, I'm walking away. He's like, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, all right, cool. And he was like, like a little girl going, yeah, go Dusty. Dusty, I shook his hand and he goes to Steve, when are we going to go over this? Can you and can you picture um the character from Family Guy, um Stewie, going, oh my gosh, oh my no, gosh. No, I no, I know what you're saying. I'm just trying. I don't think I've ever geeked out yet. Is that like cool? I don't really think I have. Yeah, like I'm one of those like I've shared locker rooms with the Outwalls and Eric Young and Carlito and yeah. all these guys from going up to Wisconsin and liking them and being at like, icons. Like I never really like geeked out. It's one of those like I've shake hands with them. Like hey, you know, thank you. Um, like if I ever did meet Taker, I probably would geek out because you know that's my one of my favorite old time wrestlers. Yeah. So I think that would be that moment to where I'm like I don't care that. I've been in the business for so long, I'm going to act like a fan right now. Here's a fucking other thing. I can honestly say the coolest conversation I've ever had with somebody that big was Billy Gunn at Icons, because we were literally sitting right next to him. Yeah. And we had many conversations with him that day. It was really cool. Shane Douglas. Go ahead. um, With the Billy Gunn, um, it was a Wisconsin show, um, and Keener was my ref, which was fucking awesome. Um, Yeah, Mike Keener, his brother, (laughs) the ref. Uh, But it was worth one of our students from the dungeon that you know he he we weren't supposed to face each other that night we trained for a match we were supposed to wrestle um but the promoter goes hey uh i know you you probably know julian bradley yeah yeah, yeah i know chris yeah so chris they were doing the show out in wisconsin for freedom for a wrestling and he's like we get to we get to the hotel and he's like hey so you guys aren't gonna put wrestling out today he goes you're gonna get in the ring but your your match is gonna be cut short into like 30 seconds we're like okay whatever you want he goes carlito's gonna come out and you and your boy are gonna get pissed your boy's gonna try to attack him and Carlita's gonna launch an apple ring. I'm like, all right, cool. He goes, and Carlita's gonna throw you an apple. You're thinking you're in it with him. You eat the apple, he eats his apple, spits it in your face, gives you the backstab. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, whatever you want. So, yeah, I've seen that spot. Now, the many kid times. goes and works. Now, this kid goes and works, kid in there, in a dark match. Mm-hmm. So, now me and my boy haven't worked on our match all day, and there's two and a half matches in. The dueling comes up and goes, guys, 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 go get in your gear. Carlita's playing still stuck in Chicago. He's not making it here until the second half. Can you guys go and wrestle? Well, yeah. Yeah, we worked on this match for three weeks. We could do this in a week now. Now, this is one of the biggest crowds I've worked on. I think they had like a thousand people in this building. So the kid runs all the way to the locker room to Mark, and Mark's sharing the locker room. It was Mark, Teddy Fine, and his manager at the time, and they were facing the outwalls later on. So he barges in the locker room and goes, Mark, 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 me and Dennis's match is back on. And the outlaws just look at him like, kid, you do know we were talking, right? You should not first. And the kid's and my boy's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, but he's my trainer. And they go, okay, different story. So Troy now leaves the locker room, comes down to where I am. I'm sharing a locker room with Al Snow, which he's made. Al Snow's talking about all the shit he used to post on Facebook about, you know, all his jokes. And we were having a blast in there. So we're getting ready for a match. We go out. Mike Keener's our ref. Have a phenomenal match. Before the before the match even started, this is where I still did the dark gimmick. They played the kids' raw music. Oh. And Wisconsin is just like New York, where they like the bad guys. 
and we explained to him that I'm probably going to be over knowing I'm the bad guy. He's like, it's okay. He's like, it's okay. I go, but all right, we have a match where they're going to hate me within the first two minutes. The kid's like, all right. Now, the kid's name was G Muscle without a mask, which I still don't get it, but it's the funniest name ever. G- Next thing you know, is I'm Muscles. sitting in the town. Yeah, G Muscle. That's what he decided he was going to come out to. Like, whatever. That's the name you want to stick with. And dude, Jack. So, like, it wasn't like he wasn't ripped or anything. Like, his first name is Glenn. He had muscles. So, he was like, that's what I'm going to come out with. Like, all right, that's what your name is, kid. So, we're, I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the turnbuckles on the, on the apron, on the, on the mat. And I'm like, I'm doing the whole evil look and the glare with the drool and the blood. And I hear this Jersey Shore music cat. And I'm like, oh, dear God, that's not his fucking music. Please do whatever you do. Please, please do not just pump the fucking air. Whatever you do. Because if you do, I'm thinking in my head, if he does this, I'm fucked. Because I'm going to have to do 150 times even more heel shit to get this place to hate me. Comes out the curtain and throws his fucking fist in the air and it was the loudest boo reaction I've ever heard for a first for this kid. And it, it like, you just saw in his face, he's like, why? Because motherfucker, you just pumped the air to Jerry Shore. So, for about a halfway through the match, finally I get the crowd to hate me. Now, I finally got him the where we need him to be. They get to the finish, finish the match, I get the re- I get the pop, they're cheering me for winning. And we discussed in the back that I was like, look, if they cheer for me when I beat you, I'm giving you a mafia cake to the face after the pick. He's like, all right. I go, but the ref is going to be right by you. So Keener was like, I'll make sure he knows you're coming. I'm like, all right, put your hand up and block. He goes, no. Like, you're going to regret that decision, but put your hand up and block. He goes, all right, I will. Doesn't put his hand up. And Needle's logo on the bottom, on the side of his face from the ship. Um, I'm completely gassed. So he's laid out in the ring. I'm walking to the locker room. I'm hunched over at the gorilla spot with the TVs. And I hear this guy come up and goes, hey, God, nice match. Now I'm thinking he's just another worker. I'm like, yeah, 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 thanks, man, thanks. And then I look as it passing by a Billy Gunner Road Dog. Straight gear. I never stopped. I stopped him. I go, I am so sorry, guys. I did not know it was you and the only words out of their mouth were if I did that in my match and that was his first match in your largest crowd I would be blown to stop smoking cigarettes and I just looked at them like how the hell did y'all know I smoked cigarettes they go yeah smell like it Vince does not like cigarettes so we noticed went back to the locker room and I'm sitting down and Mark comes to the back and goes how dare you wave off the outlaws like that and I'm like I said sorry he goes no I'm fucking with you but how dare you wave off the outlaws like that <laughs> Billy walks back in the locker room in the mine with a bottle of water and a towel, hands me the water, hands me a towel, goes, no bullshit. What you just did for that young man and put him over like that was phenomenal. I'm like, thank you. He goes, but your moonsault looked like shit. Like, I know, I went sideways. I was born like there's no tomorrow. He goes, but you still went three more minutes. I go, uh-huh, I still had, we still had three more minutes of the match. I'm not going to go home because I'm gassed. He's like, keep it up. Mark, we got to go redo our match now. Now, when Mark tells you that, if you ever have Mark on here, he will physically tell you that his match that he had with the outlaws, he wasn't supposed to do anything until they watched that match. They literally changed their match and let him do more because of what he what they saw me in when one of his uh, other students go. Um, there's that. And then the greatest Mark, since you brought, brought Mark, mess stories. Here's the best one you'll ever probably hear besides maybe you might have heard about him collapsing the guy's lungs at the shop. But um, it was me, Mark, and Troy on the way out to Wisconsin the second year. We stopped somewhere in the middle of the night um, and Mark farts in the car. Now, Dave, you know how if Mark farts, they're not they're, you You got to get part, out of the area. They're bad. Part of my French. Part of my French. But Mark farts... <laughs> Fucking run. <laughs> it was the most foul thing you'll ever smell. And I love Mark. Like, I'm immune to it now, but they are bad. It's worse than a ba- newborn baby diarrhea shit. Oh, um, shit. Mark farts in the car. Literally. So me and and we, we Troy leaves his phone in the car. Now, just know the phone worked when we got to the gas the get the rest stop gas station area. Worked perfectly fine. Leaves his phone in the car. We get back to the car. Car still smells. 
Troy picks up his phone. His fucking phone don't work no more. Completely froze. Does not work. He has turned it off. It won't shut off. It won't turn on. It won't do anything. He looks over at Mark and goes, your fart froze my fucking phone. I'm like, hold on, what? Troy's like, Mark's fucking fart froze my goddamn phone. I'm like, there's no way it, it happened. He goes, Dennis, the phone we pulled up. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I put the phone down. I'm like, uh-huh. He goes, Mark farted, and we all got out of the car. I'm like, oh, dude, Mark, you, you broke his fucking phone with your fart. And Mark's like, my bad. Um, and then on the way home from Wisconsin, the same show, same year, we stop at a rest stop. I'm in the gift shop with Troy. Mark uses the bathroom, comes friendly out of the bathroom, looks at me and Troy and says, we got to go. I'm like, why we got to go? I'm like, I'm trying to get something from my dad. He goes, no, we, we got to goddamn go. We got to go or we're leaving here. I'm like, all right, whatever. Put this thing down. We leave. Get in the car. Mark like, starts to laugh. I'm like, what the hell is wrong? He goes, I ripped the toilet paper dispenser off the wall. What? Like, what do you mean you bro rip it off the wall? <laughs> He's like, I went to pull the toilet paper and the dispenser flew across the floor. He now, goes, the I question was wrong is, to go anyway. <laughs> but the question is, what color was the car before Mark farted? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know at that point because when he farted in the car and froze the photo, it was nighttime. And then when he broke the thing in the bathroom, it was nighttime. The reason he was so freaked out is because when he leaves the bathroom on the rest stop, the maintenance guy, the janitor, is heading towards the bathroom. And we're the only people in this fucking rest stop. Oh, shit. So he's telling us this, and we're dying. Troy pulls over. Can't, he's crying. I'm dying in the back. I have to get out of the car because my stomach hurt, and I was going to throw up. And Mark's like, it's not fucking funny, guys. I'm like, no. That's hilarious. You <laughs> broke a fucking toilet dispenser in the bathroom. Like, how do you rip it off the goddamn wall? Because I don't know. I went to pull toilet paper and the shit fucking flew. And Literally. Like, God, Mark. And he's like, we can't tell anybody. 20 minutes later, he goes on Facebook. Why the fuck would you post it on Facebook and go, why wouldn't I? That's fucking great. <laughs> this is like, if I would ever write, a, if I would ever make it to TV and I get to write a book, that's in the fucking book. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to share this to everybody. And he's like, I fucking hate you all. And we, and now to this day, we keep, we keep making fun of it. Cause it's the funniest thing ever. It's like, who goes to a bathroom and thinks they're going to pull toilet paper. And the thing that holds the toilet paper is going to fall to the floor and fly across the bathroom floor. I think I'm you just answered it. the prank question. Yeah, that is a prank question. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a new question I'm going to try out. Um, you're going to be the first person to do it. Um, okay, um, I wanna, I'm trying to do something. I want to put a um, Spotify play, playlist. Okay? All right. So you're only allowed to have one song. What song would it be? Driving down the road, one song that I could put on my playlist. Mm-hmm. Any song I want. Any song you want. It has to be one song. Damn. <laughs> There's a lot of good songs. Um, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really don't know. There's too many songs to even try to pick one. Like, what's your theme music? You forgot that. Right now, I I use a non copper. I use some non copyrighted stuff, which is tell you the name of it. I would be surprised if I can remember, but I don't. Gotcha. but I can pull it up real fast. All right. Okay. The song that we're gonna, I'm going to be starting to come out to is, is um, from Dark Signal, uh, Drag Me to Hell. So we're trying to figure out that whole get up. Um, I used to come out to Skillet Songs, which I had for, I had by the able to use their songs. Um, 
when they first came out with like Monster and Hero and stuff. Gotcha. But I used to come out to Cradle of Phil <laughs> when I did the dark gimmick. That's my one of my favorite songs because when people hear it, they're like, what the hell is this track? Uh, and you see like some five foot eight dude come out with like long black hair, drawing blood, and you're like, okay, that's fucking creepy. Well, oh, I'm, he's satanic. He has six 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 on his goddamn stomach. All right. right. Well, mind you, Danny Filth is five foot five. So yeah. Okay, we're, we're um, we got we're we're you almost out of time. Out, so. We're gonna give you two more questions, and um, mm-hmm. he's gonna give you one. I'll give the last one. And what? Join back in time. You go back in time. Let's go back. In so time. if you could go back in time, would you start earlier training, yeah. wrestling, stuff like that? How old were you when you Absolutely. started? Absolutely. Uh, two thousand eight. I was just over twenty. I want to say just maybe between twenty five. Okay. So you would go maybe five years back. Give. I would. I would have rather started when I was eighteen. That's for sure. It's about when I started. Okay. So the weirdest story that ever happened to you, like in the ring, outside. Driving anything that was the weirdest thing, like um, any story, any story. I don't think there's. I haven't really had many weird things happen in the ring yet. Doesn't have to be in the Where ring. Could be in the, the back ring. room. Out. Um. Okay. Now this one a bit. Um. So there was a gentleman named Arkham that used to wrestle. Um. Before he passed away. Um. And sleep. Um. And. Again, my moonsaults are the my moonsaults are the worst thing you'll ever see. Like if I ever do him in the show, it's called the worst moonsault ever because it's really bad. But it's great to see me do it. So I'm at a show and I go up to do it, and as I I'm I'm literally rotating. I I can already tell that there's no way I'm not I'm not hitting my head. And it was really the last second I felt something through my leg, and it was at an Arco Memorial show. Okay. So I would have landed. I literally would have landed on my head. No no thoughts about it. Next thing you know, is I felt something literally push my leg. In midair, um, wasn't on the stern ball because more it's probably like maybe an inch and a half away, maybe an inch or two away from the mat, and I felt my feet get pushed. And the dude, there was the ref was nowhere nearby. Wow, um, it's a ghost story. at all. And I get to the locker room and I'm like, they were they we watch it. I'm like, man, how do I how do I hit that? They look at me. I'm like, I should broke my fucking neck. Mm. Like, are you sure? I'm like, watch. And then I'm watching. I'm like, dude, I felt something push my leg. I thought it was the referee. And video shows referee was nowhere in sight. Oh shit! That's one hundred percent. Well, that would be one of the weirdest things that ever happened in the ring. Oh my gosh! Wow! I would love to have you come back on and talk about more stuff in the future. Season oh, two, I, dude. I'll come on anytime you guys want. Oh, that'd be awesome. Because I bet I'm you. Literally, have... I'm literally. I'm still with. I'm still with so many stories from the dungeon and shows, and you know, now being like I did. Like I said, the EWA show yesterday. I have the guys that have you know and. I know Priest can agree to this. Like the biggest, and I said this on another podcast. The biggest downfall about the business is no everybody's afraid to tell a wrestler that the match is bad. Yeah. They're all about, hey, great match, good match. I will never tell you your match was great. I had guys go, hey, how was it? I was like, okay. well, I could tell you what wasn't good, and then anger that route. Literally, I had the message me today and yesterday, and they're all in Maryland going, when can you come down here and show us how to fix our mistakes? That's the problem with the business. No, everybody's afraid to tell someone and be like, be, be a man. Be like, I'm going to tell you, your match wasn't good. You know, they're, they, they want to book their buddies and their friends. Like being a promoter, like I have people in my inbox. Hey man, when can, when can I work the show? Send me two matches and a promo. Well, you know me. Doesn't matter. I have four people put our creatives on top of mine. I go, I might be the owner and the promoter and the booker, but I got four of the people that I also answer to. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I asked them to be on my team and, this is what we do is we look at the people that want to work for DEFCON. What's and if, the they, if they fit the role, uh, it's called DEFCON for Wrestling. And where are they um, located? 
Uh, right now, we're located out of the dungeon in Reading, but we're going to be doing shit. I'm, I'm looking for a venue out of Country Hockey because that's where I grew up. So I want to put I want to put wrestling back in Country. If you, you know, wrestling hasn't been there since I was eight. If you start something up there, tell us. We'll come up and visit. We'll we'll plug it. We'll oh, bring a table with all our stuff, and we'll sit there and do. What we oh, do. absolutely. No, I'd absolutely have you guys there. Um, but you know, like I said, like Mark Mess, like the way him and Rob Knox and everybody are is like. They don't. I, I will never ask a vet how my match what looked good. I will ask the vet what looked bad. Like when I worked for H2O, I did the H2O with Boom. When Preacher came up, I was like, "Was there anything you did not like?" I will never ask what I did right because mm-hmm. I should know what I did right. I want to know if there's something I did wrong. If I, if you know, a punch was bad or that didn't make sense or something was miscued, I want to know so I can go back to the drawing board and work on my mistakes because the only way to get better is to work on the mistakes. Right. The funny you know, thing I is, I broke I broke some kid's heart last night. Because he thought his match was the greatest thing ever. And I looked and going, first off, tire guy again. He goes, well, they're brand new. I got one of the warm then. I go, two, you're wearing Brock Lester MMA gloves. Lose them or go get a blank pair. I go, three, what's your gimmick? He goes, it's only my second match. I go, so then you shouldn't have had a match if you don't have a gimmick. You should have something to what your name is. Like, I don't, I didn't, I go, you got in the heels and got your ass beat for 15 minutes. And then you won the match. There was no in the match. I know yeah, who I like am. Like, he didn't yeah. know what to do. Right. So, and the funny you know. thing is, um, future show coming up, we actually have Preacher coming on. Yep. So. Can't wait to talk to him soon. Can't wait to talk to Preacher. So. Um, yeah, like, I, I'll definitely tune in for that one. Like I said, I have all most respect for everybody out of that school, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We do, too. So, um, let's end this. Um, I'm D.B. Richards. I'm Dave Keener. And we we'll had Dennis. Hold up. Uh, we, we had Dennis Reaper Dennis on. Dennis Reaper. And we'll see you you in the ring. There we go. Thank you. Good night.